What radio, the music you want. With your host, Dee Dang. Are you totally deranged? RadioWhat.com What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in living color from the Radio What Studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous? It's an extension of the internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do you go? DJLittleRock.com. Check availability and get a free price quote. And maybe you can have me, yes, me, Keys Dan, at your next event, wedding, party. You know, I I, I do a, a little sweet 16 party. I'll do a five-year-old's birthday party. I know how to do balloon animals. How about that? <laughs> uh, from 6 to 60, from 7 to 70, from 8 to 80. You know, and beyond. I like to party with the people. Today on the program, John Lucas, Wooden Man. John Lucas, the Wooden Man. Uh, he is, uh, all right, you're going to get to hear his story in your ears. But uh, if you haven't taken a listen to the music of John Lucas, uh, L-U-K-A-S, the Wooden Man, I encourage you, uh, check it out. Go find it on Spotify, iTunes, uh, find it on YouTube. It's out there. Uh, the sweet sounds of the 70s uh, to the hits of the 80s and beyond. The man, he's got style, and he's changed his style over the years. So uh, we're going to get to hear his story in the next few minutes. John Lucas, the wooden man. This week's shows for me, you know, because I'm doing the DJ thing, the public shows this week, Thursday night, I'll be at the Old Post Barbecue in Russellville, Arkansas. That's the video dance party karaoke jam from six to nine. It's family friendly. They got the best barbecue in the whole wide world, in my opinion. And they also have frosty beverages for the adults. But, you know, I keep the music family friendly. So come on. It's a good after-school treat. It's a good after-work treat. That's the Old Post Barbecue in Russellville, Arkansas, from 6 until 9 in the p.m. Bring the whole family. And then on Friday night, it's my regular Friday night show. You'll find me most Friday nights at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. Now, this one is an over-21 party. It's the video dance party, karaoke jam. Yeah, I said karaoke. You're the stars of the show. They got the full bar, the kitchen, and they also have 10, count them, 10 pool tables. Friday night is uh, the they have the league the contest, a, a pool tournament, if you will, uh, right there at the Rab. So if you want to get involved with the pool tournament, possibly make some money playing pool, you could talk to Mark, you could talk to Debbie, and they'll get you all set up into the pool tournament. And also on the party patio, they got shuffleboard, foosball, darts, uh, giant Jenga game, checkers. Yeah, there's a lot to do at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. That starts at 8 p.m., and we go until almost 2 in the am, Friday night. Come and see me uh, Thursday at the Old Post Barbecue or Friday night at the Rab. And then on Saturday night, ooh, I think I have a private party. So unless you're invited, you're not invited. <laughs> I get to party with the people. It's a uh, corporate event. Yeah, good times. All right. I, I've waited long enough. You've waited long enough. Let's talk to Lucas, John Lucas, the wooden man. I get to talk to him on Skype because he's in jolly old England. 
So Skyping John Lucas, Wooden Man, now. Hello. John Lucas, please. Speaking. The wooden man himself. How are you, sir? All wooden man and kicking. <laughs> well, fantastic. <laughs> it's good to finally hear your voice, my friend. I know we've been trying yes. to get on this uh, for a, a couple of weeks now, trying to get this Skype working and making sure that the internet connection is working fine. It seems like you got it all together. Yes, I have. Um, actually, the problem was I was a real Skype freak I mean, a few years back, but I started on WhatsApp and uh, FaceTime, and uh, they took over, and I, I was so used to them. And uh, I uh, I couldn't find my passwords, my old passwords. <laughs> and uh, I, it was very wrong of me to leave everything to the last minute last time because I assumed I'd just come into Skype, but I hadn't updated it, I, and it took forever. Well, John Lucas, the wooden man, it, it occurs to me that in this day and age, we've become so used to, to technology uh, so reliant on it uh, for some for so many things uh, from buying groceries to uh, you know to watching television uh, for the most part is is technology and uh, yes I, I I relied on the Skype I thought it would work I figured it would work but it did not work but this time it worked and here we are on the what makes you famous podcast with John Lucas the wooden man. The blunder was from my part. I'm sorry. Oh, no worries at all. No worries. Here we are. And uh, I know the people should know who you are. Uh, by now, they should have an idea of who John Lucas, the wooden man, is. But give the people a little idea of who John Lucas, the wooden man, is. Well, basically, um, I, I was signed to EMI in the 70s. And uh, I had a quite a massive hit record all over the Middle East, parts of Germany, and I entered the 50 charts in the UK, which was quite a feat in those days where internet didn't play a game in this, where, you know, to make a... <laughs> A phone call from London to Malta, where I originated from. Um, you had to send a telegram and book it, and book it for the other side to pick up the phone in three days' time. <laughs> and yeah, that's how it was. Well, I'm us. guessing this is the and late the, '60s, early '70s, uh, when you're trying to make a phone call uh, to the tiny yeah. island nation of Malta, which is where you're from. No, but even even. Even between England and Germany, England and America, it, it, in the seventies, you 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 didn't uh, you couldn't phone straight away. You had to book a call. 
and then they phone you and they say, are you there? And then they tell you to wait. And then they, they might even tell you, oh, the line is bad. We'll try again in three hours. <laughs> okay. And then you waste a minute of the call going, can you hear me? Oh, good. You know, how's, how's the weather over there? <laughs> you know? <laughs> it occurs to me that that's usually the, the first uh, attempt at small talk is how is the weather? <laughs> <laughs> you talk about the weather and and that that becomes a thing but you're not in malta now you're in england if i'm not no, mistaken I, i've never been i've never been i've been i've been i was born in malta but i uh, i came here at the age of uh, 16 when malta was still independent uh, dependent on the uk okay We've, we well, there's a little history the that we're getting from you, John Lucas, uh, is uh, where yeah. Malta was uh, when you were uh, ages one through, I mean, zero through 16. Now, you were born in, in the four, late 40s. Is that right? Yes, yes, exactly. I'm, I'm over 70 now. Um, uh, I'm in the ripe old age. Um <laughs> I wouldn't say that at all. You are still kicking, but still, I, still I, viable. I still, I, I still make young sound of music. So, although it's valid, um, but um, yeah, I mean, time just creeps up on you, and you wake up and you look and you see white hairs, and you think, "Here I am. I'm old." Um, <laughs> Well, I, I'm a man of 50, and before I turned 50, I was very afraid of telling my age, very vain. But vanity went out the window, it seemed, on my 50th birthday. When did it happen for you? Never. <laughs> I'm, I'm now of the time to embrace old age, where only four or five years ago I wrote, a song called Older Better with a question mark. I do want to talk about that song because that one is a little bit on the nose. Uh, I mean, just right on, uh, right square in the target for sure. But I want to go back sure. to 1970 with that first hit, that record-breaking hit, A Man from the Small Island Nation of Malta, which was, as you say, governed by uh, the, the British Isles, the U.K., at the time, yep. uh, you had a hit. Now, how did you come up with your song was, that was it, from the seventies? It, it was mainly luck. It was luck of the draw. Apart from, they realized that I had a good texture in my voice, but but the point, uh, I, I wasn't out to make a career. I just loved singing. And I was in London on holiday, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, a girlfriend of mine who was in the business told me we're going to see some new indie bands in Olympia at the time. You know, they were all new talent. And we went to the show, and uh, I went with her backstage. And uh, she was talking to a band that she knew very well. 
And she said, by the way, you know, uh, Frank, which is my real name, mm-hmm. is, a, is a singer. And uh, the guy said, oh, really? Yeah? So uh, what type of music do you sing? And I said, ballad. You know, I, I used to sing sort of Sinatra, Sinatra, Tony Bennett um, type of music. And, and although I was a big fan of the Beatles, the Stones. Um, anyway, and, the, and then she called the other friends of hers that were there with us. And she said, I, wouldn't you like, you know, she sort of challenged me, why don't you sing the song? And I said, really? Me sing the song? She said, yeah, why not? She heard me singing more. And uh, the, the lead of the, of the band said, come here. And he took me to the keyboard. This was backstage. And he said, what, what key do you want? Uh, I, what song do you want to sing? I said, do you know Summertime? You know, from Poor and Beth. Oh, yeah. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, he said, uh, well, key, I said, try C. And blah, blah, blah. And I, uh, you know, we worked it out. And uh, I went on stage and sang it, and I did an amazing rendition of it. I, I made the song my own, which in those days was very rare. People always mimic the main song. This was even before Little Help of My Friends by Joe Cocker. Mm-hmm. You know, the big track, how he made it his. Sure. I, I worked this on the same basis. Anyway, um, that now, a long the, story the, the one who famously sang that song, was, wasn't was it Ella? No, no, it was A Little Help from My Friends. No, no, I'm talking about that. Summertime, Porgy and Bess. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ella did a version. Right. But the initial one was by, uh, I can't remember, but it, it was in the film, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely from Porgy and Bess, but I, I thought that Ella uh, famously uh, made that her song, you know, it just really belted it out. Okay, okay I'm, not, I'm not certain on that myself, but if you say so, I'm... Oh, okay. I, I, I mean, uh, hey, this is all fuzzy history. <laughs> but John Lucas, anyway, you say so that I, that I, you I, sang the song I, and you had a good response from it. I had a standing ovation, and and a guy, and a and a guy came to the bar near us, and he he gave me his card, and it said EMI producer. Yes. And he actually said to me, "That was good. That was great." Um. I'd like to see you because I think you can fit in a project that I'm I'm doing. What year was this, John Lucas? This, sorry. What year was this? Nineteen sixty-nine, coming into seventy, I think September. Life was about to change uh, for you, John Lucas. It was the the moment, and uh, and then the next day, I went to Denmark Street where all the record business happens in London and off Tottenham Court Road at the time. All the publishers were there. It was like a dream. Um, I, well, I used to see 
in the movies and what I used to see in 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 the in the, in the Rolling Stone newspapers of the time, the NME, and you know, and I walked up to uh, um, uh, the publishers and uh, upstairs I went to the room of Ron McRae and there was Henry Hathaway, the producer, mm. that gave me the card. And uh, there was Gary Benson who wrote the song with a guitar and uh, another guy on the piano. And they played Counterpoint to Lose. And straight away, he, they, you know, Roma Prate and Henry said, shall we go in the other room while you guys work it out? I said, I got the song. It's a good song. And I said, I'm ready to go if you guys are ready. They gave me the lyrics. And they looked at each other and they liked what they heard. It needed a bit more work. And they said, right, Wednesday, Abbey Road Studios, where... The same equipment of the Beatles was still in the room. In room, I think it was C, Studio C. We could see it because the Beatles had just split up and everybody was everybody involved in the business was thinking that they're going to get back together. And uh, it was at the famous Abbey Road Studios. I had a 25-piece orchestra. And uh, Paul Rodriguez was arranging it. He was... Um, uh, part of David Bowie's band at the time. I had the, the words all there, and uh, I uh, I was mesmerized when I heard them the whole song that they played me the two days before, all with the amazing BBC Orchestra band, and I did stuff on it that was magical. Um, you know, it was all all the, the, the energy and atmosphere that was created um, that brought it out of me. And uh, they were very happy with what happened. Uh, the studio was in a, like a pilot room further up on the top, like they looked down on the studio. You know, the, the studio was massive yeah. and each, each of the orchestra had the partitions. One of those jobs, like you saw, in a Sinatra recording, you know? Um, and that was it. And then I went back to Malta, and then a couple of months later, I get a telegram, and they said to me, you better come to London to promote it. EMI's got it, and EMI's very happy with it. They're promoting it. And uh, I came to London and started promoting the song. And uh, at the time, there was Tom Jones and... Engelbert Humperdinck that were quite famous and had that genre in their pockets. And uh, one of the major DJs of the BBC said, we have another Tom Jones, uh, Engelbert Humperdinck, but this is John Lucas from Malta. And that sort of gave me a stigma. You couldn't sound like anybody else to make it in the UK at the time. John so Lucas. I only reached the 50. But you, having been played on, yeah. having been played on the BBC, I was picked up by what was then the MTV of Europe, which was Radio Luxembourg. And Radio Luxembourg embraced the song, and they were playing it three times a day, and that took me off in Europe. 
and took me off in the Middle East big time. I mean, I was from Lebanon, Abu Dhabi, Damascus, Iran, Bahrain, and this is all when when the Emirates were massive. It were, they were beautiful places, no wars. It was just before Khomeini start, kick, started kicking it off in, in, in Iran. Mm. And I did shows with Bush in Iran when the, when the king of Persia was there on television. And Bush is their major star, still not allowed to go to Iran. She lives in America. And she commands 10, 15,000 15, um, people per concert, Iranian people, who pay about 300 quid for a seat. She's, she's still a big Iranian star. Her name is Bugush, if you want to check her out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was touring the Middle East with Italian stars like Modugno, Fadi Bravo, uh, French stars like uh, 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 the big one, he just died. What's his name? I forgot the name now. It's not coming to me. Anyway, I was on that bracket. And uh, and then nothing happened for me in London for years. And it kept happening to me outside, but being based in London. And then the punk rock scene started and the rock scene. And I was still making shows in tuxedo, and uh, I had to change the rock alternative and all that. And it took time for me. It took time, but I got there in the end, and I made a comeback only lately. And uh, just when things were started to get hot, um, in the 80s, I was still struggling when I met Marvin Gaye. He was in London. And we were very friendly, and he taught me so much, man. He taught me so much about soul and how to treat a song and how to make ooze that little magic out on vinyl. Um, the guy was a genius, a genius. And a lovely guy, but he was going through a bad patch, and he was doing a lot of coke, and, and he had just uh, run away with his son, from America, and he was in troubles with them on Old Town, and he, he was a mess. But anyway, that's another story. Um, and, uh, and then I did Eurovision for Malta. I came second, and I thought I could bring it over for them in Europe, but they never sent me. I came second. Um, and the uh, from then on, I, I forged my own alternative band, and we did well for a while. And then the kids stopped, and I kept the name Wooderman, so I became John Lucas Wooderman. But after that, when things started happening, I, uh, I uh, started uh, a show called ID. It was like X Factor on television in Malta. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the height of it, I uh, started, you know, spitting blood, and I was hit by cancer in the lung. Oh. And uh, I've been fighting it ever since. Uh, and uh, I've actually was a success story for a while till it came back, and now I'm in the last stages 
under clinical trials. I have lost my voice. Um, it's it's uh, it's the tumor in my lung has put pressure on the side of my vocal box, and it's uh, paralyzed my my nodule my my nodule. And this is why I'm sounding like this now. John Lucas. John Lucas, your your story has taken a turn, a downward turn. I I was expecting to talk about about Can't Afford to Lose, the the song that made you uh, so famous and so big in the UK. Mm. And here you're telling me the story of how it's it's coming to a close. I don't how how do we how do we go from here john lucas man you're 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 you're, 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 you're bringing me to tears my man <laughs> no that's life my son it, 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 life is like a box of chocolates you, <laughs> you you open it and and you never know what the other one's gonna taste like but i've uh, i've always looked at life um that I have, I'm a poker player, and I always looked at life that I am dealt cards, and I have to play my cards. It's no point feeling sorry for oneself, and you've got the cards in front of you, and you got to play them. Believe me, I don't, I'm not trying to be stoic or anything, I still to not feel down about my situation. I haven't felt down about it. I can't say that I can, I lie in bed and thinking, oh my God, what happened to me? Or it hasn't occurred to me. When I lie in bed, okay, sometimes I can't sleep because of the medication and things, but, but when it comes to sleep and I sleep, it's no problem. And when I wake up, I don't wake up thinking where am I and why am, why am I in this place where I'm. There are days I can't get out of bed. It's uh, the chemo and uh, and the and and the medications are devastating and very punishing, very very punishing, um, and that's the boring side of it. But and I do get fed up with it, but I never say. Um, why did this happen to me? Or because the minute you think that, you're done. Right. You're done. Well, John Lucas, on the subject of cancer, I'm firmly against it. I've lost too many family and friends to the dang thing. Uh, cancer can yeah. can suck it. If uh, to if I could be so uh, blunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, John Lucas, yeah, but, the wooden man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I do want to talk about your life. I do want to talk about uh, how things started for you. You say in 69, uh, you met uh, the great Gary Benson, and he made a song for you. And for those of you that haven't heard Can't Afford to Lose, I encourage you to go ahead and put this uh, podcast on pause. Go and listen to the the sweet sounds of the 70s. It is a glorious song uh, that just you play it and you go, oh, yeah, that's the 70s. And it's actually the beginning of the 70s. It released in 1970. 
and it became an international hit. Uh, you say you you performed and you promoted this song. Uh, for how long were, were you going around and, and in what kind of venues? I wrote, and- I wrote on the song. I wrote on that song for about seven, eight years. Yes. So were you playing with other people? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you must have sung yeah. other songs, well, when maybe I covers. Toured, when I toured the Middle East, I used to tour with a, a basic bass uh, keyboardist who was also my arranger. And uh, that was it. And then uh, an orchestra was booked and we were things out with the orchestra. Each part was given to the orchestra. And we played with session musicians. So you played with a full band. I mean, this is back in the days before synthesizers were so uh, adver- uh, Correct. versatile. Correct. You had to have actual musicians, okay. people that were talented to play with you. And in the Abbey Road studios, you say you had a full a few, a full orchestra. Uh, how many musicians was it? 25, 30? 25. 25. 25 plus three uh, backing singers. Um, and uh, and I had everything. I had timpanis, drums, uh, strings, cellos, you know, the whole shabim, trumpets. Um, and uh, that was it. I mean, it was a glorious sound, and I had, I had been. It, it had class. I had a class act. Oh, um, you can tell uh, you had a beautiful. It, it's a beautiful song, and, and with all those musicians, yeah. my goodness, and to to have that arranged. Who 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 did the arrangement on that? Was that Gary Benson, or was that another producer that no. came in? No, no, Paul Rodriguez. He okay, was, you mentioned. He was in the first band of David Bowie. Okay. Oh yeah, um, and uh, he came over to tour with me because EMI paid him to, and and uh, oh, he loved working with me. We were we were very good friends. He's a gentleman, typical English public school boy. Um, very nice man. He's he's also passed away. Gary Benson has passed away. Um. And only, uh, I don't know if you saw it on my Facebook, about a month ago, I went to a reunion and met Henry Hathaway again after 50 years, um, the producer, and because uh, he threw a party as a 50-year reunion, and he invited all the people of the time that are still alive, and uh, it was very sad to see Henry, the same face, not a day older. <laughs> he really carried it well, but he was blind. Oh. And it was so sad to see him like that. It was so, so sad. And, uh, you know, I just hugged him and he hugged me and we, we, we put our hands together. And for, for a good hour. We didn't let go of each other, and we kept talking about the past and the good old days because we've had some amazing days. It was in the days of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and, and uh, 
it was the real beginning, you know, when it was all mad. <laughs> uh, yeah, some good times, some good times. And, um, uh, yeah, and that was it. And, but all this shows how, at the time, you never think you're having all those good times, those massive applauses, those standing ovations, those different countries, those the girls, the you know the 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 the, uh, the shows on television, the the interviews, the the write-ups in the paper. I mean, you know, you walk you walk tall, and and it's it's a very nice feeling. For sure, it's and nice he, to be he, recognized he, uh, for the accomplish oh, com, uh, your accomplishments, John Lucas. Now, in the time oh, yeah. that you were doing "Can't Afford to Lose" and "Can't Make You uh, Can't Make You Mine," you were making other songs was this things that you were writing uh this time summer sun uh fleur now that you're gone no 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 i didn't write any of those okay how did you come across these songs no i wasn't because i was packaged by mi and i was down to the writer and i was still down to gary benson so they since they had a result with Gary Benson and I. That's how things worked out then. We carried on, but we had a a, a hit system on, on our hands. So you and became you a team with Gary Benson? Well, not a team as such. I mean, he just came in, played me his 12 new songs, and I picked one, and then the company picked another or agreed on the one I picked. And then we went into the studio, same thing. Same, same uh, 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 formula, yeah. and uh, and we kept going till it lasted. And, and that arrangement lasted until '88, when you formed the band Wooden Man. No, that 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 lasted till about '83, '84. Okay, because um, things changed. Things changed. And then where did John Lucas go? In the business, things changed dramatically um, because because punk started to take over in in London and uh, my type of music was passé. Even Tom Jones, Humperdinck, even Sinatra and you know, people like Shirley Bassey, you know, nobody was selling records. It, uh, uh, the alternative moved in big time. Well, you know, we I were did, I did know that Shirley Bassey, she had a, a, a remix of her hits, and Tom Jones collaborated with quite a few people uh, to try to refresh his music. Uh, he did a, a, a version of Burning Down the House that was more techno. Is that the direction that you went in when you formed The Wooden Man? No, I was, I was, I was lost. I was lost, and that's a time where I met um, Marvin Gaye, who yes. came to London. But you say that he was living the fast life, and he wasn't. Uh, he was someone that you could learn from, but he had his own demons that he was battling. Uh, did Did you end up right. in, in some of those parties with him, or if you care to divulge? Yeah, well, well. Well, if I tell you the situation, 
you he had a <clears throat> he was living in a flat in Palace Court that's close to uh, Buckingham Palace mm. and uh, in this flat you'd walk in it and then two fat minders would be at the door and they get used to your face and you start walking in and you walk into the lounge and uh, you just wait with all the others and every four or five hours Marvin Gaye appears in his dressing gown all suave because he was beautiful looking I tell you <laughs> he was cool <laughs> all suave throws a little bag of coke on the co on the coffee table, As says hi to everybody, goes in the kitchen, get makes a coffee, and goes back into the bedroom. <laughs> but <laughs> all he was doing is in bed doing coke and 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 uh, <laughs> astonishing looking uh, Norwegian and Swedish model, which he loved. Mm -hmm. uh, with pure shaped body <laughs> um, and that's how he loved them and uh, and that's what mostly you saw of him because he was at the time writing the album the, the album Sexual Healing yeah. and uh, he was he had come to Motown the Motown who uh, what was his name? The the guy from Tamla Motown, the, the the head guy. Gordy. Sorry. Barry Gordy. Barry Gordy, correct. Mm -hmm. He he was married to his sister. Okay. Um. But they were never in love, and he it came to a halt, and and uh, he took his son, who. I know as Bobby, now they call him Marvin Gaye Jr. Mm -hmm. um, at the time he, he was Bobby, he's the same age of my son. Oh. And, uh, and he ended up in America uh, being sued uh, uh, for uh, kidnap because you couldn't take your son out of America without the uh, the wife's the wife's uh, uh, blessing, yay! Right. So she was issuing writs all over the place. Barry Gordy was holding his money, and this big, amazing star and global fame guy had to just go out and do concerts to have enough money to live. Yeah. He, he, yeah, and then uh, he, uh, when the album was finished, which took a long time, but he actually lived sexual healing. He lived the music you hear in the palaces and that he brought on to tape. He, the whole, the whole thing. Um, but he ended up overdoing the drugs and he was in a very, very bad shape. Very bad shape. And you were there in this yeah. whole time. Yes, I was. I was because I made 
I, I introduced them to Henry Hathaway and they worked out a deal. Well, where they work, he works out my album. Because I had about 12 songs of mine which needed production. Hmm. And he was going to produce them. And they worked out a deal that he would. But in the process, um, Marvin wanted the money up front. And because of his coke state, Henry said, look, it was about 20 grand. In those days, it was quite a lot of money. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Henry said, look, Marvin, he said, you finish your track and I'll give you back 500. And he said, okay, then, if you want it that way. But then halfway, his people were coming in for the, his coke and he wanted the money, and, and one day he said, take me to Henry now. And I said, okay. And, uh, you know, called uh, Settler Records, which is Henry's place. They sent us the uh, limousine, and we went down to the office. And, and uh, Robin said, I want my, my money now. He said, look, we made a contract, we made a deal. You to finish the he said, I want my money now, don't treat me like a schoolboy. And he, you know, Henry said, look, this is a deal. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I can't have, you know, the money side of the firm to dictate it to like this. He said, we worked. Anyway, it didn't work out. And he walked out, and I ended up looking at the ceiling. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, I used to live in the just outside London in Ilford. Right. And uh, he rang me at about three o'clock in the morning. And he was nearly in tears. He said, John, I can't take any more. Can I come to you near the country and spend a few days? So I asked Mary, my wife, I said, uh, you mind if Marvin stays with us for a few days? Hmm. He said, no way. That I got a, a young boy. He said, "I'm not having it. I don't know." You know, I said, "Please, Mary." You know, he's in distress. He said, "No, I'm not having it." Oh. And uh, I said, "Sorry, Marvin, I can't do it." My wife was not happy about it, and that's the last I heard of him. This had and to be eighty-two, eighty-three, somewhere in there. Eighty-three, eighty-three, eighty-four, and wow. And then I hear that sometime later, you know, the sexual healing got taken up by CBS. And he started touring in the States. He was paying everybody. And then he had a problem with his dad because what he did, um, in order that Barry Gordy couldn't get hold of the money off him from CBS, because he was still his artist. The money, the contract was signed by his father. So his father had all the money paid to him. And Marvin had to ask his dad for the money. This is a 44-year-old man going to his dad for money. Yes, which is his money. It's his money. Yeah, it's the money that CBS paid paid to his dad, because yes. if they paid it to Marvin's name, uh, Barry Gordy would have got hold of it and 
and legally and and done you know some some something inside of, of the, the problem and his dad wouldn't release the money to him because of the drug situation and in the end they ended up in a trucker at home it's a sad sad story really um yeah, it's a very it's a very well known story how Marvin Gaye uh, died at the yes. at the hands of his father um at the the age of uh 44 years old in 1984 and That's you right. got to know Marvin Gaye a little bit and you learned from Marvin Gaye I mean wh- I mean besides the 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 coked out parties with the the lovely oh, me, Norwegian me, ladies me. Uh, what did you learn First of all, I, I never forget the moment that we were going to start on my album. And he asked me to play him my tune. I played him my best one, which I thought was the best one. Which one was this? And um, I think it's the B-side of uh, uh, She's a Girl. Okay. It's the B-side Love of, and She's a, a Girl. Love. Yeah. On love, 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 yeah. And uh, and when I finished, you know, you sort of give it everything on the piano and then you look up. And it, he was like, not impressed at all. Oh. And I just looked at him and I said, so what do you think? He said, to be quite honest, John, he said, it's an okay song, but you haven't touched me. And I really thought that I was giving it everything. And he said, you can do one line. And if that line doesn't go under the person you're singing to, under their skin, you've done nothing. And I said, how do you do that? And he said, give me the line. And it was, the line, if I remember well, it was, she's a girl. I can't sing now. I, I understand. She don't go back from home. She goes out every night without me. Keeping me waiting. I can't do it now, but it was on those lines. Yeah. Anyway, he took the line, man, and I just heard. Magic. Magic. Yeah. What he's done to those words. Just in the room, no music. He just repeated what I sang. And I said, say no more. I'll, I'll come back next week. And I started singing like that. And from that day onwards. And you can make any song sound good. <laughs> It's 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 an amazing. It's so really. It's so it's true, organic, down right. So it's nice that he helped you reinvent yourself, John Lucas, the Wooden Man. He he helped you to to 
change a little bit because the the artists that have the the longest careers do reinvent themselves from time to time yes you had the great music of the 70s and that great sound that you had with the full instruments the orchestras but then when you got in touch with marvin Gaye, he gave you a little tip he gave you a little twist and this changed your style this is how you you reinvented yourself at this point in the the early 80s early to mid 80s yes and and i i went on the ballads but still nothing was happening and then i coming into the 90s i did uh, attempt eurovision for malta thinking that i having a fan base already in the middle east and europe yeah I might, I might get it for Malta, but the funny thing is, I never got chosen because Malta is is very um, um, national, and they saw me. Although a lot of people admired my music and admired the point that I was the first in their history to ever make it outside the shores. Right. In their actual music history, they still saw me as not a local. Oh. And yes. That's the trouble. I mean, you you left at 16, but you came back. And I always felt Maltese, but, but to them, Eurovision was a big, big thing, which is in those days, it was a nothing thing for anybody in the business. It was something because, business-wise, because once you attempt it, you won't take the stigma off you. It's it's a very dangerous uh, uh, thing to try. I mean, even Elton John tried it when at his hardest times before he hit, and he doesn't mention that he did because it, it wouldn't have gone down well for him. I mean, Ingerbert Humberding tried it lately, and that's when he died the death. Hmm. It's it's a very dangerous show. Um, it's good for any beginner because they've got nothing to lose. But if you think that you're already in the business and you've got problems with with your career, that you can just go and do Eurovision and clean up, it's not going to happen. Well, I, I do even know though, that even Engelbert Humperdinck, and I do love that name because I, when I used to say it on the radio, I would always smile. But even he yeah. changed his style quite a bit. He was a crooner in the 60s and early 70s. And then when the disco era came up, he reinvented it. He he came up with some disco mixes of his songs as well. And I know that I played them in Miami when I was working on the on the radio down there. And, and okay. did you come up with a disco sound as well uh, or uh, when you were when you were doing your performances live and i'm guessing that you were still doing live performances at this point even through the the no, early well, 80s to I, the i wasn't i i wasn't because because the middle east which was my biggest bread and butter yes the wars broke out in right. lebanon i was i was in the chart for 
I think the whole month of August in the 1970, number one, I talked even uh, Paul McCartney's long and winding road at the time. So how were you surviving and, at the time, making money uh, throughout the, the 80s and early 90s? No, uh, uh, throughout the 70s right. and early 80s, I was, I was milking it. But, but then I lost the EMI contract. Yes. There was money um, from Annie to Kova. Persia, what was known as Persia, now is Iran. Mm -hmm. It became uh, uh, Islamic, an Islamic state. Yes. Anyway, I couldn't, I couldn't get most of the money of the final tours out of the country. Right. And uh, I had problems collecting my money, so we stopped touring there and even because of the wars. Lebanon uh, it used to be the land of milk and honey, the south of France, of the Middle East. Mm -hmm. It was like rendered to smithereens. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I remember. Yeah. I remember Gaddafi and you know Reagan, uh, Ronald Reagan on on the U.S. side, and and Gaddafi in the middle in the Middle East uh, doing his thing, and Gaddafi, it was war. Gaddafi, it, it was war torn. Gaddafi, no, Gaddafi was. Or Libya. Libya, that's right. And, that's right. No, Lebanon, Lebanon. Lebanon was Arafat. Right. Um, um, anyway, it's a pity what they've done to themselves. Um, and I, I, I toured in the best time. Yeah. In, in the Middle East, in the Emirates. You, you, you would fly and, and, and First class planes. There was there was very high class and very low class. It was no in between. There was affluent people and poor people begging in the streets everywhere. But when we used to tour, um, there'd be uh, an English band, an American band, a well known of the time, an Italian band. And even an Arab band. And that's where I got introduced to the Arab and African sound. Uh, we're looking at a life haunting. change again for John Lucas. I tell you, man, I, I used to, before, before I, most of the time I used to close the concert, I used to enjoy in my private stall coming out from backstage and just watching the, the Arab band. My goodness, man. How haunting, how how mesmerizing the sound, live sound, how they how they played with the shan, with the, uh, the, 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 the female voices and the male voices, how they blended them over cellos, over, over, Arabian instrument and the funk and the drums and the rhythm. Yeah. Ooh, I tell you, man, I was, uh, when I used to come back and, and I, I couldn't talk to certain musicians in London and, and, and to explain what I had seen. 
And lucky now with the internet, these bands all come to the fore. Even the great ones, about people who don't know who, what to look for, miss out. And that's what I do on my uh, with the man's jukebox. Yeah, I, I play these bands. Oh yeah, I, I introduce I introduce these sounds um, because it's that's how, in fact why I started the radio show in the gaps when I wasn't doing that well as. My, my, my show, you know, my, my artist show. And, uh, and also, I was in the places I was touring. I was fed up of hearing on the radio just the commercial song, mainstream bubblegum. And there was so much good music, which is not self-indulgent. You know, good music doesn't have to be self-indulgent. There's very good ear-friendly, um, organic um, uh, credible music, um, which is not heavy, um, and is also ear friendly. Um, and that's where I cut in between, even with jazz. I don't touch the heavy jazz, um, although I do like it, but it's when it gets acrobatic, I'm <laughs> out of there. Uh, <laughs> when, you know what I'm saying? When you're okay. just improvising for, for the sake of improvising. Yeah, to show how clever you are. And, and <laughs> it, that's that's not entertaining. Um, so you like a little structure you know, in your music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, so there are some yeah, this this is what I was wondering. Even during the lean times, when you didn't have any hits out there, and EMI had thrown you to the side, and you didn't have another band, how were you surviving? Were you still a working musician, or did you have to to take a Joe job to where you know you had to make ends meet? Uh, was well, the music I had, I yeah. had, uh, I had, a, I was still getting royal, and uh, but I also got involved with my elder brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he he had interests in Soho, in London. Yes, and I invested with him in a couple of clubs, and. Uh, you know, that kept me, kept my head about water, and at times we also did very well. Um, uh, until the game last, you know, um, and that was it. Then, then I went to Malta in '93. Uh, yeah. Well, John Lucas, what and, you're doing is you're teaching the children. You know, once you make a couple of dollars uh, in the music business, hey, turn around and invest it. And thankfully, you had a brother that had some interests, and you helped him out. And and and, and it in turn, he helped you out. So you helped each I, other. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I helped him out. Oh, okay. He was already getting quite big, right? But I, right. I, he invited me to invest with him in other places, That's and beautiful. I did, and. He was already sort of set up to run them, and and that was it. It was okay till it lasted. Sounds um, like family taking care of family to me. Yeah, it was, um, uh, uh, and that was it. Um, but then, in uh, when I when I only made second place, which means pants in Eurovision, I uh, from Malta, I and felt a bit. 
the Friday because I touched it and I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, a lot of people thought that it could have been the one. Um, but this is where I think it, it's because they're national. Because after that, there were a couple of other multi-singers that made it abroad that attempted the Eurovision when they got dry out here, same as me. And the same thing, they only came second. And they are excellent singers and excellent performers. In fact, the standard above the local. But, but they were meted with the same pride. And that's when I, it confirmed in my mind that they were very national, and they still are. They're finding it very hard to deal because they're in Europe now and they have to take all the immigrants. <laughs> and it, they feel very hard done by it. Anyway, I want, don't want to go to the politics of Malta at the moment because it's topsy-turvy with the corruption and with the blowing up of the uh, journalists. It's it's all kicking off at the moment, the moment. Mm. Um, but apart from that, I I got back here, and uh, I formed the band with my son, Ashley. Sweet, Paul uh, Woodman, and we got signed by uh, Mike Bongiorno Music in Italy, and. Uh, we had a hit for the month of August of 1994, no, 1998, on the People Sound website, which was before MySpace started. Yeah. So how did you that know, feel, working with your son on a hit song? It's with a hit song. It's called My Time. If you see it on My River of Nations, in my, if you go to my Reverb Nation, the yes. song is called My Time. It's an alternative song. Yes. But what happened, it was for the month of August of 98, we were on a charge. But what happened is people sound, but, but uh, uh, Mike, Mike Bongiorno sold his, uh, people sound sold to Mike Bongiorno music. They took our contract and what they did, they offered us money and they put the uh, a song on as answer phone ringer. Mm -hmm. And in those days, in 98, you couldn't tell that to a young alternative indie band guy. I saw the commercial greatness of this and my son and his age group that were in the band mm -hmm. they all teamed up against me oh. and they said we're not having this what do you think you're doing you, you can't put our music as a phone ringer <laughs> and i said this is the new thing man this is how you sell music that was so big no back in the way. time <laughs> No way. They were so proud. They were, you know, really sort of till death do us part music, young boys. Oh, kids they know everything. 
They don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> Love them. They were sweet. They yes. were great artists. But, but I tell you, when it came to... So I became the old geezer who, who <laughs> wants to sell our music. <laughs> he wants to give our music to ringers. We'd rather walk away and call ourselves something else. You know. Oh, you were a visionary, John Lucas. <laughs> they were selling so many ringtones in the in the late nineties and early early two thousands. How many ringtones were out there for purchase for ninety nine cents a piece? It was before before SoundCloud, before Apple iTunes. They were selling ringtones. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, so we parted, but uh, we had a few fans in Spain and Italy and, you know. So I I then changed my name to John Lucas with a man. So that I can I can carry them with me. They weren't interested. They just walked away. They didn't care about anything. Oh. It was all about music to them. It was strange but very honorable. So what did Sonny um, Boy end up doing doing, your son? My son is living in New York and and uh He's married there, and uh, he started a business in IT in uh, in London, which he sold but remained as a advisor. And uh, with the new people that he sold to, he he went ahead to start afresh in America. Hey, well, good. Sounds like he's doing good and then. He, He's still having, you know, odd bits and pieces. It's very tough. But he's got married there, and uh, he's he's pretty established now in the last four years. Um, And uh, he comes to see me quite often since I've had the cancer. But now, because he's trying to get his green card, he can't see me for nine months. So he said to me the other day, you stay alive for another nine months because I want to see you. You better listen to that Um, boy. Yeah, but anyway, if it happens, it happens because I'm I am I am in in uh, the final stages. It started to spread, and uh, I'm I'm in on clinical trials now. I'm I'm on a an American uh, uh, invention called Loxo two nine two, which I'm the guinea pig for. So if if it lengthens my time again, um, I'll be the first on this for America. You it's say an American it's Loxo 292? It's called Loxo 292, yeah. I'm looking it up right now. It is uh, something for clinical trials. You're you're on the experimental tip, John Lucas. They're, they're trying to keep wanna... you uh, surviving. Yes. Uh, otherwise... There's nothing else for me, hmm. and it's uh, now. Uh, it, 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 it came. It was in 2010. It was in my lung, and then they cut one of my lungs out. Oh. It was in a, a very big operation, which knocked me to seven. But I came out of it and did the five-year remission, and I was a success story, and then. I had problems with my throat, and and they uh, 
I had an operation with my nodules, and for six months, my voice was like a baby's voice again. It was a new voice. And this is when I recorded um, All the Better, No Mountain, Secret, uh, Better Man. And you, if you hear my voice there, it's the best it's ever been. It is a beautiful um, song. That that's a it's a good group of songs right there. Older, better. When I first heard it, I I was just I was smiling from ear to ear because it it is a story of of, of a. I mean, it's just when you get to a certain age, you start to think, hmm, am I am I getting older? Do I have anything left to give to people? And what you're doing with your Wooden Man uh, program, you've it's kind of evolved into your Facebook page to where you, you're staying active. And now, with all the knowledge uh, that you've gained uh, from music when you've been touring all over, the, all over this great planet of ours, you've learned quite a bit about music and, and not just the Middle Eastern things, but... But you're sharing quite a bit of music knowledge on your Wooden Man Jukebox Facebook page. Uh, tell me about that. And, and, and what, how does that make you feel, uh, teaching people about different types of music? Well, um, it, uh, I feel I'm sharing. And I like obviously, when they like the choice. And I personally always love every genre. I'm not a one genre man. I like, I like grime, I like jazz, I like classic, I like, I like all types of artists, preferably singing artists. Um, and good singers, um, but I'm also into the sound, and it's important, unusual blended sound, and the way that they're put together, the movement. Um, it's People, you know, find the niche and generally speaking, they either like heavy rock, hard rock, indie, you know, and they stick to it and that's all they hear. <clears throat> I'm different. Um, I play everything. I play, you know, classical jazz, pop. But I never play bubblegum. Bubblegum <laughs> turns my stuff. There's already plenty of that you on know, the radio. You know, and these sort of young girls, young girls sort of high-pitched, screaming their head off over a beat. I'm sorry. It hurt me. This high-pitched voice over, over a beat. And I have to hear the song three times to catch the message. Sometimes they have a good lyric. Um, most times it's very shallow lyrics. Um, it's, it's sad what turns 
the young ear and what they feed the young ear. You know, there's some good rap, there's some really, really, really pimp for them, <coughs> which, which hurts me, man. Well, it sounds like you're open. You're open to, to new ideas. and But you have uh, so much music knowledge in you, uh, and you're teaching the, the children, the, the people, uh, how, how, that there's different types of music. They don't have to just listen to the bubblegum music. But, you know, you the, some of the last stuff that you've put out, you, you've put out things, you know, even as, as, uh, as like Santana's Soul Sacrifice from Woodstock and and then Alabama three. So things as diverse as that, that's two completely different, uh, different, uh, genres. Uh, but you're putting it out there to the world, uh, with the wooden man's jukebox. So, I mean, and when, when, when I invite, I like to invite the, or the guests, but I, I have no time in the show. In my actual show, which is found on mixcloud.com forward slash woodenman, all my past players are there. And now we're loading all the old players over to Spotify. <coughs> but I'm very slow with it because it's a lot of work. And my IT guy is not fully employed by me anymore. He's got a day job and, and he's got no time to do it. And being under clinical trials, I get days when I can't look at a computer. So everything's working on a slow basis. I've also had two or three amazing artists that I've uh, headhunted to, and I offered them that I'm going to feature them. And it's been over a month and I haven't put them there yet. And they might think what a wally I am. But I wanna I wanna write to them and tell them that they're still on my mind and I've got I'm judging all the Scottish indie that comes out uh, at the moment in Scotland. I'm one of the judges and I haven't been able and I didn't have the time and the apply, application yeah. to hear the music to judge it. So I've got that on hold. I've, uh, I've, 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 I found an amazing girl uh, in Malta who's American, Chelsea Wrightsman. Oh yeah. And man, I love, I love where she's going with her music. Oh, and she's uh, wonderful. I had the pleasure yes. of ch chatting with her uh, just last month, or uh, on the twenty fifth of September. And thankfully, she was the one that put us together. And I'm so appreciative of yes, Chelsea yes. Reitzma. Yes, yes, I am as well. Um, but mainly, um, I had hunted her because she didn't go pop <coughs> commercial. She went close, um, but we, she left credibility in her music. Yes. Um and I admire that. So, and plus, she sounds good, and her songs are good. Right. Um, so, you know, we featured her a couple of times already, and he's gonna be on 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 the new shows for sure. 
Um, let's hope I'm, I, I get through this, and you're going to hear a lot of Chelsea rights now, my Wood of Man Shoebox. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's where it is. Um, and here we are. And, and here we uh, are. You know the famous Dan Keyes. John Lucas. Who's Dan I have had such a wonderful time listening to your story. Uh, I'm so sad that it's coming to an end. Uh, you know, hopefully we do get to, to chat. Uh, and, and um, you know, this Loxo, it, it looks promising. I mean, it looks like, is it, it does it make you feel uh, the Loxo 292? Does it make you feel better? Do you have good days and bad days? How, how is it treating no, you? No. It's quite punishing. It took a long, a long time to kick in, but it's quite punishing. I have a very dry mouth, um, hard. I, I, maybe you can hear it in my tone. I have to, even though I put water, it, it, my tongue sticks. I get clogged uh, nose and blood scab. Um, it's punishing, man. It's punishing. I won't go through it. Um, I get days I can't control my bowels. Um, so, you know, no way I'm going out. I get days, no energy at all. Can't get out of bed, or if I get out of bed, it's like I'm under a serious heavy boot. Um, I get nausea, stomach ache. Um, I'm out of breath. I can't walk very far in a hurry. I'll have to stop. Um, I can I can carry on. There's so so many symptoms. Ah, very hard to swallow. And then the worst thing, I get dazed. And now it's become like normally day to day that all my favorite food tastes like a piece of cardboard. Oh, and. Yeah, it's 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 punishing, um, and the only thing I can enjoy is soup. <laughs> you know, and sometimes I get a fetish for for the chocolate delicacies, or and I go to eat them, and they taste like a piece of paper, and I I just push them away. Um, Solid food, I I mean, I've never done this to my wife. I've already refused two plates lately this week. I, I said, I can't go through this. You have to throw the whole dinner away. And she said, I'm cooking the same, you know. I said, it, believe me, it's like magic. It, it's like you're putting poison in my plate. It's, it's, that's what's not fun. Um, but... I can take it, and, and it has to be. Otherwise, there's nothing else. John Lucas, no and one I've should lost, have to live I've like lost, that. I've lost a lot of weight. I'm down to 65 kilos. Yeah. And, and you can start seeing my bones now. Um, it, it's like I'm shrinking. Um, so, no, I don't think it, it, it's good. And the best I can expect out of it is that 
it might hold back the tumor a bit. Um, but now that it's spread in other three places, I don't know how they're going to how they're going to control the lot. I'm too deeply involved. You know, if 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 they caught me with this ten years ago, yeah. before they cut my lung, before you know, I would have been. It, I'm, I'm, it's a race against time, and time is is not in my favor. I've uh, I've squeezed nine years out of this already, you know, which a lot of doctors keep telling me, you know, that's quite a success story already to have cancer, lung cancer, and still be around after nine years, you know. So they even know themselves that I'm not. <laughs> when when they talk to you like that, you know that, you know, there's not much hope. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but well, though there's not much right, hope, you you still sound very hopeful, man. You still you still have a pretty cheerful disposition, <laughs> John Lucas. I'm not sure that I could handle it the way you're handling it. Not gonna allow. I'm not gonna allow to. I'm not gonna allow it to get me down. Yeah, um, don't let it control it you. But I'm, if it doesn't take my mind. Then it's the way it is because, after all, I'm not a spring chicken. I've had a good life, <laughs> um, so I don't regret that. I mean, I'm going to miss my wife and my son, but and it's going to be hard on them. But but how do you, how can I say it? Um, it's I can take it. I honestly can take it, and what? you know, nothing nothing lasts forever. You can't cling to life forever. And when you come to the 70s, coming to the 80s, I mean, come on, do you want to wanna live in the 80s like everything's falling apart? <laughs> That's a huh? fair point. That's a very fair point. You know, I was going to ask well, you if you were living alone or, or you had somebody taking care of you by your side or, or at least, uh, you know, somebody to hold your hand. And you, is your wife there with you? I, I, I have a most amazing woman that anybody could ever have. God bless her. And, and her life is just around me. And <laughs> sad to say, five years ago, she got cancer herself. Uh. It is. It's, it's, been, it's been a, 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 such a road for us. But we, we're okay. She is more, uh, uh, it hits her more. I don't know why. Maybe she's got more love than me. I don't know. Or she's not as strong as I am. Um, but then when she got it, I was feeling bad. Yeah. It's, it's weird. That I couldn't cope with. When, when she had it, I was, you know, talking to my son in tears um, and heartbroken. But for me, as me, I, no problem, believe me, I'm not trying to put this on. If, if I felt it, I'd say it. I'm an outspoken man. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's the way it is. And one last thing before you go. Um, last February, I decided to make my swan song, my last album, and make some meaning, meaningful song. 
I got into the studio and then my voice went in, in uh, I think, June. Hmm. How much had you completed by then? I got two tracks in the can and I got one tear-jerking, soul, heartbreaker, amazing song that I'm very, very proud of. And I think we're working on a video on it. Yeah. And I think and Henry Hathaway heard it and he said, John, I need this. You know, the blind producer of I now that actually produced Town of Fort Toulouse, Satchel of Records. And he said, John, I wonder, this is you. This is real. This I can feel, I can touch, I can cry. It's everything. I've, I've really, I've really, uh, I've really done with this one. This one is good. I, I, I had hoped to go there with the whole album, but luck didn't, or God didn't give me the, you know, stop me there after this one. You know, I could have done a few like this, but but it's a soul heartbreaker, man. It's, 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 you know, all the, the, the emotions of what's, what I'm going through came out on this one. It's, 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 it's a blind eye. John, John uh, Lucas, in the beginning of this, you, you mentioned David Bowie uh, briefly, and you know before he left, he gave us Black Star. And John Lucas, it sounds like that's what you're doing. You're going to leave us with a swan song. You know, I'm not saying you're leaving too soon. Uh, you know, you at least have to stick around for nine months so your son can come back and visit <laughs> with you. So, uh, but, but I, you are going to leave us you, with some I'll good music. I tell you, Daniel, it's it's called Done Fighting. It's called Done Fighting. It's it's not a it's an emotional song. It's not a dark song like like uh, it's more on the on the Freddie Mercury sort of final hour, right? Rather than rather than Bowie or 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 Leonard Cohen. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I know I went, uh, Freddie Mercury left us with Show Must Go On, very powerful. Yes, it's it's on that level. Um, uh, you hear it when it comes to it. Um, you look out for it. Yes, hear it please. Around, Put me on the mailing list. It. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's called Done Fighting. And... Uh, you will, you will see what I meant today. Um, it's, it's cool. I'm very proud of it. I, w I wouldn't say this if it wasn't. It's, it's good. It's, it, I, I've done what Marvin Gaye told me. He'd be so proud of me. Yeah. Well, I, John Lucas, how, how soon till, till uh, that's completed? Is it close to the, to the finishing point? Well, they're starting on the... Um, I've had a guy work on the on the uh, video, and he came up with an amazing idea. 
he created a sort of robotic type of person. Um, but the whole thing looked too techno. And Henry, when he saw the video, he said, no, not he saw, because he's got his A&R men who described to him, because mm -hmm. he's blind now. Right. And he said, no, that's too cold for the song, from what I hear. <laughs> and his daughter is an actress, and she messaged me the other day, and she said, John, do you mind if I take this project over and... I have actors, I, I've done filming, but you mind if I do it? I said, mind? Go ahead. <laughs> she said, um, I, I, is this song about you or is it everybody in general? I said, it's actually about me, but it's not going to be clever to make it about me. Right. We've got to make it about life. She said, that's all I want to know. She said, drop me the lyrics and uh, leave the rest to me, we'll get back. And that's it. That's the last I've heard. So with the other guy, I don't know what I'm going to tell him to stop the project, but because uh, he's put a lot of work in it. But well, I hope we'll have the, the two videos. <laughs> John Lucas, I hope videos. we get this audio real soon and perhaps we'll see the video uh, just after that. Uh, I've taken a lot of your time, and I, I, I can hear it in your voice. You're starting to starting to strain a little bit. I don't want to hold you uh, uh, too much longer. I know we could chat again soon in the future. Give some give some last words for the people, and we'll wrap this up. John Lucas, the Wooden Man. If there's hell below, we're all gonna go. But take it to the sky. Well, there you have it, party people. John Lucas, Wooden Man, The Wooden Man. Find him find him on Facebook on the, at The Wooden Man's Jukebox. Go right now, like that page, and uh, make sure that you keep in contact with John Lucas, Wooden Man. He's going to teach you about music. He's going to give you some inspirational things and little tidbits about music. And not just, you know, the, the new music, but... And not just music you may be listening to on the radio right now, but music from all over this planet. You'll learn more about music. Expand your horizons. The man has got knowledge. He's got lots of musical knowledge. And, uh, you know, dang it, that cancer. I, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. That's enough of that. You know, not only is John Lucas going through this cancer thing, the wife has ha it's got it too. She's, ah, that's, I'm done with cancer. I'm done with it, man. Get, uh, scientist, if you're out there listening to me, uh, hurry up and f eradicate this stupid cancer. Uh, I'm done with it. It's taken too many people, too many of my friends, too much, too many of my family with cancer. That's enough of that. I know I'm I'm kind of being funny, but I'm I'm also being true. You know, cancer sucks, man. It just does. And John Lucas Wooden Man, I I mean, I hope you have some some kind of of uh, relief from uh, the pain you're going through. You know, uh, and uh, 
you know, because you got you got that lovely wife and and your your sonny boy. He's you know he's it's good that you have the your people with you. That's nice, man. I know he's he wants to come and visit with you. So yeah, stick around, John Lucas Wooden man, and feel good. Hopefully, this new medicine it will be working for you. That's it for this edition of What Makes You Famous. If you want to tell your story, I encourage you. Give me a call at 501-470-6386 or email info at RadioWhat.com. That's it for me. It's Keys Dan, RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. Radio What, the music you want with some words to live by. Don't take yourself so seriously. No one else does. A public service message from RadioWhat.com. The music you want. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Instagram at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Twitter at Makes Famous. And follow on YouTube at Keys Dan. Leave What Makes You Famous podcast a review and subscribe. Listen to What Makes You Famous podcast on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and almost anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keys dan email info at radiowhat.com what makes you famous podcast is a production of keys dan enterprises incorporated at keysdan.com thank you for listening follow keys dan on facebook and twitter click on the links at the top of keysdan.com follow radio what on facebook and twitter click on the links at the top of radiowhat.com the music you want is on. Yeah.